to the Arsenal Ramble. Hello everybody, you are joining us after what seems like a monumental win this evening against Manchester City at the Emirates. After 11 successive league losses to City, we have secured a 1-0 victory and that feels like a result that was well overdue. And my co-rambler Dave, as ever, is here today to discuss this with me. Dave, how fantastic do you feel right now? Man, I feel great. I feel on cloud nine. I've been like buzzing to do this podcast with you. Obviously, couldn't do it straight away, um, but I've been like itching to to get talking about this one. So I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into it. And yeah, it just it's one of those games. Into it? it's like a tactical chess game. I think they they like to refer to them as. Um, and let's be honest, we do tend to be the team that comes off second best in these uh, these types of fixtures. So it's nice to um, to reflect on it, uh, a game of this magnitude, and, and be talking about a win. Because, you know, it wasn't always pretty in this game. There was a bit of anxiety and, and nervousness uh, around the, the Emirates and, in, in, and clearly in the players' minds. Um, but the result is all that matters. We've got three points. And yeah, let, looking forward to getting getting into this one. Yeah, well, we're so used to an all too familiar feeling, aren't we, after a game against Manchester City of that maybe in more recent seasons, a feeling like we should have got more out of the game, but ultimately being second best and not being quite up to the standard of Manchester City. However, things kind of turned on their head today, didn't they? And it could be a... a marking point for the season really for for how we end up going ahead and performing um but yeah it, it is it's one of those games which before i think we spoke about when we both spoke to each other saying that we would have been happy with the draw and i'm not even ashamed or embarrassed to say that i, I would have absolutely have taken a draw before this game against manchester city because of how, how bad we've been stung in the past against this team um, like I said, 11 successive league defeats. They don't do that to a team if they're not absolutely outstanding, which they are. So for us to go there, for us to, sorry, they came to the Emirates, for us to get to the three points today, it's just absolutely magnificent as an Arsenal fan. And it's it's when you're not expecting it and it comes, it is just unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. I think it was one of those, it was like a battle of the mind as well, not just the players on the pitch and, and the, the quality they bring, but it was yeah, a battle psychologically who can stay in the fight um, and ultimately not worry about making that mistake because, you know, no one wants to be that guy. Um, no one wants to be a Jorginho in the North London derby. It's, it's heartbreaking. Um, and when the further the game got on, the more you, you thought, oh, this is going to come down to one moment. Uh, and thankfully, that moment came to us and, and we were the ones that, that sealed it. And yeah, um, like I said, it, it was a tight game. Uh, it was it was um, one of them where you just felt like a, a mistake or a piece of luck was going to be the deciding factor. And uh, thankfully, that, that was on our side today. 
Yeah, we're so used to it being us that makes that stupid, silly error at the back. Like, I think it was Tommy Asu last season that made that really awful back pass, which put us on the back foot in that game, which Kevin De Bruyne gobbled up. Um, and it, it is delightful that <laughs> in this game, it wasn't us that was on the receiving end of that, of, of a silly mistake. But um, I, I'm pretty sure, and I'm quite confident in saying that we were only really on the back foot in this game for maybe the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and I, I'm not even putting that lightly. The first 10 minutes of this game, I did feel like we got absolutely dominated by Man City. They were having chances left, right and centre. I think Nathan Ake had an absolute sitter, which if that fell to Haaland or maybe Bernardo Silva or someone else of that ilk in that area then we could have been talking about a completely different scenario in this game and and maybe we would have struggled to be able to get back into the game. But what we both said, because me and Dave were together uh, during this game whilst we were watching it, we both said we need to weather this storm, get through the first 10 minutes or so, and then we can grow into the game and then progress and play our own game. And we did exactly that, didn't we, Dave? We did, and, and, and this is classic pet. Guardiola, to be honest, he'll always come out the traps at you. Arteta also likes to adopt that that style of um, almost putting the fear into the opposition. And as as a Man City team that's so dominant as they are in 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 football around the world, um, they can do that to any team really, home and away. And that's what they try to do. And yeah, we did have to weather the storm. We did have to ride our luck a little bit. But ultimately, that Ake chance was really. The, the only one that they they managed to carve open themselves. And even that, it came from a little bit of a sloppy defending from the back. I think it was from a, a resulting corner that we sort of needlessly gave away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think throughout the whole game, they only managed four shots, one of which was on target, um, mm. which is statistically the lowest uh, under Pep Guardiola's management of Man City in his whole entire management that's the the least amount of shots and shots on target that they've ever managed to to um muster up so you know that also shows that we were defensively resilient um and once we got yeah. over those initial uh yeah like you say initial bombardment of pressure um we were able to keep calm and composed and we'll obviously come on to it but the, the defensive the defensive display was just one of the best I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Well, to back up your point there, Dave, uh, it was actually a the lowest amount of shots by a Pep Guardiola team since 2010 when he managed Barcelona. So that is just wow. something outstanding to say that we were able to defend that well, that they had that few shots in the game. And yeah, I know what you mean. It, it was literally just the case of maybe we showed showed Man City a little bit too much respect because of how much we've been burnt by them in the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and the the corner that we, we were alluding to that Nathan Ake had the chance from, I think it all stemmed from a throw-in as well. It, it, it came from a throw-in and then a silly bit of miscommunication at the back, which ended up resulting in a corner. And then that ended up resulting in a chance to them, which... 
you know, ultimately in these sort of games can def- define the uh, the final scoreline. So thankfully that didn't go against us in that moment and we were able to to get out of that scot-free and and uh, build on the performance. But that, that was actually going to um, go into my hot take for today. And I know it's quite an early hot take, but what what my hot take was is once we got the initial panic and anxiety of Man City out of the way and out of our system, and we really do start to perform, then there really isn't much difference between Arsenal and Man City in terms of quality. No, like that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, we we matched them um, quality on the field. Once we got that psychological barrier out the way, we were able to do what what we do best, and that was sort of control the game to a degree. Um, yes, we didn't carve open massive clear-cut chances, but this is a clash of two of the biggest titans in the Premier League. It's never going to be a high-scoring game. It's never going to be a high-chance game. That's just, uh, you know, just facts, to be honest. It, 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 that's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, and, and I, think, I think we, as a team, deserve tremendous credit for that. So, yeah, 100% agree with that hot take. Do you have a hot take from this game uh, from the first half or second half? Or? I do have a hot take, yeah, and it's maybe a little bit of a jump. Um, but my hot take is that um, Arteta has managed to um, make very, very clever substitutions in this game. And that isn't typically what we've seen from him. I think we've actually been quite critical of Arteta for his substitutions mm. in, in the past. Um but today, um, I suppose there's sort of two phases. The first phase would be Martinelli at halftime. Now, obviously, this is a player that would be starting had he been 100% fit. Um, you know, that's just, that's obvious. However, there was doubts over his fitness. I think it's been confirmed that the physios were very much like, we don't think he should start based on the the evidence um, that they've they've gathered. They, they think that he needed um, more time. But having spoke to the player, Arteta deemed that he thinks he could have made an impact. So decided to bring him on at halftime, helped by the fact that Trossard was nursing a little bit of an injury, so had to come off anyway. Um, So his hand was forced to a degree, I guess, but uh, nevertheless still made the substitution and and it was exactly what we needed. Martinelli just gave us that injection of pace, directness, and I don't think it's Trossard's fault because it was just the way the game was being played, but he wasn't really involved. He wasn't really offering too much. Um, so that seriously helped us in the second half. Then we come on to the second phase of substitutions, which was a triple substitution, which involved Tomiyasu, Havertz and Thomas Partey coming on. Um, this, for me, couldn't have happened at a better time. Um, it just helped us... Um, gain a bit more possession, um, use Havertz as, a, as an outlet up top, Tomiyasu's defensive stability. Um, Sinchenko, as we know, can get a little bit lackadaisical at the back, especially in the latter moments. We saw that against Liverpool last season where he got nutmegged by Trent and we ended up um, conceding. So I think the... the the fact that he brought them on, and it was something that I was—I said to you—I I said um, I think uh, Havertz for Enketia makes a lot of sense. Um, mm. 
we may need to go a little bit more long at times and, and try and utilize Havertz's height and, and strength. And, you know, again, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but this is exactly how we scored our goal. Um, a, a sort of a, a ball into the mixer, Tommy Asu, good header, Havertz controls it, dishes it off to Martinelli. And there you go. That's that's three of our substitutions combining for our goal. <laughs> mm. So he's got it bang on today. Yeah. And actually, to add to that as well, it was actually Partey's long ball to Tommy Asu, who then gave it to Havertz, who then laid it off to Martinelli. So all four of our substitutions that came on today were involved in our goal that ultimately won us the game. So you've got to say to Arteta then, fair play, you know, hats off. You, you, you've you made the right call there if all four of your subs were involved in one piece of play, which ultimately won us the game. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I've got to completely agree with you there. That's a, that's a great hot take, to be honest, Dave. Um, and so when we're looking at the game, if we're just going slightly chron- chronologically, um, we were so dominant first half and we didn't really create too many chances, but neither did Manchester City. But there was a real opportunity for us to be 11 men against 10 men, weren't we? With with what happened to Kovacic, um, or what, what Kovacic ended up doing to himself, really, in the first half. He, he had a challenge um, which absolutely, in my opinion, was a stonewall red card. He he came in through the back and with his studs up, facing, you know, halfway up someone's, uh, you know, back of their leg kind of thing. It's yeah. a leg breaker, ultimately, isn't it? He could have broken someone's leg there. I think it was on Odegaard, wasn't it? And um, so that in itself could have been a red card, in my opinion. And then a few minutes later, he makes an absolutely needless challenge, taking someone else out again. And at this point, you're thinking, this guy's got to be off the pitch, really, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm sort of sensing maybe a potential TGMOL apology uh, incoming. Uh, But then again, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they just bat it off and forget it ever happened, just because we got the results. So they sort of hide under that fact. But um, we have to talk about it. Um, I know we we got the result today, but at the end of the day, this could have been the the difference maker. And and yeah, quite rightly, I agree. It, it should have been a sending off. I think if we look back a couple of weeks ago at the Curtis Jones uh, incident uh, for Liverpool, on uh, I think it was was it against Tottenham? Can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, it was it was the same, if not maybe a little bit worse uh, in this game. So I'm not quite sure how that's not... It, the VAR checks seem to be so quick as well on, on, the, on the TV screens. It seemed to be over so quickly as if, again, it were just sort of brushed under the carpet a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really, really a bit baffled by that one. And uh, even at the time I said, look, he's got away with it there, but this guy is now on thin ice. Um, and then five minutes later, there was even a, another chance where he could have had a, a second yellow. I think it was a foul on Rice and he got away with it. And I'm thinking, what has this guy got to do to get a second yellow? Um, so I think he was very lucky to be on the pitch. Very, very lucky. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? We've won the game at the end of the day, so it's kind of obsolete. It's not really that important in the whole context of things. But if we were to have got that goal in the 87th minute to end up winning the game, then 
you're looking back at key moments during the game which could have possibly influenced it and that is a major that's a major point in the game if you go 11 against 10 men in what was it the 35th 40th minute and you've got the whole second half to be a man you know an extra man against Manchester City on a day where we were completely dominating them in terms of possession and in terms of actually creating opportunities then yeah, of course, that's that's a massive call. And the fact that the referees didn't even really give it a proper look is a bit of a shame. And it is a bit of a sham, to be honest. I think there's going to be, like you said, there probably will be a few apologies coming out saying that he probably should have been sent off. I think the only saving grace for them is when it's a yellow card, then they can't review it or something like that. And maybe the second one would have been a second yellow, which... I don't really know how it works, but in my opinion, if I was the referee, I saw the way that I would have given a red for the first car, first um, yeah. the first foul on Odegaard, and then a second yellow at least on Rice. But you know that's just football, isn't it? And we we're both saying to each other, this game absolutely reeks of the fact that maybe Jorginho might get a really soft yellow card in the second half. Something that we're so used to in the past, getting stung by some sort of really soggy decision like that, following. Um, negligence from the referees at not giving a a clear yellow card to uh, Kovacic in the first half. It, it really did scream that that probably would have happened, but luckily for us, it didn't. The first little bit of contact Jorginho had on there, I can't remember the player it was. Um, yeah, he probably did tug him back a little bit too hard. So, you know, fair enough booking, but it was very early on in the game and I know that doesn't matter anymore now. But then, but then moments later in the first half, for them other yellow card offences just be brushed aside. It, 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 there's no consistency, and I think that's the, the key word there. Um, so yeah, um, disappointing, uh, but again, just not that surprising. No, no, absolutely not. And um, it's it's worth highlighting and noting as well in this game. Uh, we, we ultimately, we ended up scoring the goal through our substitution and things like that. But the players, which I feel like gave us that platform, that stability to be able to to perform and to be able to be in this match, to be honest, were our defenders because they were absolutely immense in this game and most notably Saliba and Gabriel. Now, these two mm-hmm. defenders are, if not the best, they're definitely up there in terms of the best in the league. And I feel like they can be world-class, if not probably some of the best centre-backs in the world going forward, because this was an absolutely world-class performance from those two. Saliba bullied Haaland today. He bullied him. And you don't see any centre-defender being able to do that to Haaland. Usually Haaland is the first person to shrug a centre-back off and be able to get half a yard and run through on goal. But the amount of times that a ball was played through to Haaland and you just see Saliba leave Haaland with a face full of dirt on the floor and just runs back and gathers the ball or he he outpaces him and gets the ball first. And then not forgetting about Gabriel when uh, the ball's being like fizzed into the box. And this is this was a, a, a cross with a lot of venom. It was really whipping in. And you just saw a sort of acrobatic back heel from Gabriel to, to clear the ball and all of everything that they did was really safe and they made the right decision a lot of the time. They didn't mess about with the ball. There's 
a few opportunities as well where we've seen them pussyfoot around with it a little bit at the back and maybe get caught on the ball. They just leathered it out sometimes. They 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 use the head. They, it's almost like they're gathering the experience and they know now if it's time to get rid, it is time to get rid. Mm. Yeah. Can't remember can't even think of how many times we've we've Wax lyrical over Saliba and Gabriel. Their, their partnership is just colossal. And yeah, like you said, it's definitely the best in the league. And no doubt in my mind that Saliba is world-class and Gabriel has improved immensely and he's certainly on his way. Um, I'm not sure other rival fans would agree, but as Arsenal fans, I think the majority of the fan base would, would certainly say that. Um, yeah, he, he he's absolutely gave Haaland no chance today. And he did the exact same thing in the Community Shield win at the start of the season. Haaland had a, a zero XG uh, rating in the Community Shield game. And again today, zero XG. That's how much he nullified Haaland. He didn't have a sniff. Um, I think I, I remember in the Community Shield game, he, he sort of outpaced him, um, blocked him off on the touchline and almost made him run back into his own half in what looked like fear. And today, um, matching his pace, bodied him and made him fall to the ground, looking like an absolute fool. Um, yeah, just honestly, Saliba is so, so good. We are so lucky to have this player in our team. I think it was a uh, 100% of his duels won and 97% of his passing completed. Those stats are world-class and some, you know, that they are for a game of this magnitude. It, it doesn't get much tougher than, than City, but let's be honest. And, and he's, he's coming away with, with those figures. It, it's, it's immense. The, the whole bat line deserve immense credit today because they, they were incredibly resilient. It, even birthday boy, Benny Blanco, uh, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, so, and that little nutmeg on on Doku towards the end as well, just to to add the the cherry on top. That yeah, a brilliant display. Um, so pleased for him because he's had a few little critics on his back recently, saying that his performances haven't been as good as last season, which I'm not sure I agree with. Um, but yeah, I, th- oh, I just yeah, I loved our defensive display today, and and that's what all good teams are, are built around a solid defense. And yeah, we we certainly showed that today. Yeah, yeah, I, I do have to agree. And I would say that there were a couple of moments in the first half where Ben White was probably caught lacking. I think he pushed quite far up, but with that's probably with the the thought that um, Saliba was covering his space kind of thing. Um, and they, they did get played through in that area and Saliba had to cover him. But uh, that might have been from instruction. Um, but from where I was viewing the game, I just kind of assumed like Ben White's left his space there and they've suddenly got in with quite an easy ball. Um, but yeah, it is always lovely to see Ben White do a nice little nutmeg on someone. He is someone that does like to take the mick and it's hilarious when he does. So uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, going on to maybe David Raya as well. Now, He's a player who is well. He's in contention for the first spot, number one shirt in the in the team. Um, I thought his distribution was pretty hot and cold today. There was a few moments in the first half where he made some quite shoddy 
passing, really. His distribution wasn't great. And then following that, he made some unbelievable passes, which really took the pressure off the team and got us out the blocks and got us further up the pitch. So it's it's a hard decision for Arteta to make, isn't it? Because if he can be consistent with the, with that great distribution, then we've got a real keeper on our hands. But ultimately, if you're also going to take into consideration the fact that he can make some pretty bad passes, which puts the pressure back onto us, then it's a risk, mm. isn't it? It is, yeah. I think he he felt the nerves in that first half. Like he he was affected by the nerves of the team, and and it sort of transpired into his first half performance. And it was a a, a game of two halves for Raya because the first half, yeah, he was incredibly poor. Uh, I think there was three really big mistakes that he made, and one in particular was where he didn't get out out of his feet quick enough, uh, and almost was. Petter check style kick it in your own nets type thing um so that 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 was incredibly close and a little bit naive of him uh yeah passing was poor i think it came out in the the low 50 percent for for completion which is very uncharacteristic of, of david raya um but um but second half he was much much better he was uh pinging really good passes creating fairly decent chances for us to to attack City. Um, so, so, to be honest, he didn't have much to do, did he? Like, like we said at the start, it, it was four shots, one on target. So he, he hasn't really had a lot to do in the game. Uh, it was just the fact that the first half, the mistakes that he were making could, in theory, have cost us. Um, and mm. as we were saying before, conceding in the, in the early minutes against City is, is one of the worst things you can do. So hopefully that was just nerves um, and something that, that can be ironed out of his game once he gets used to playing for a team like Arsenal. Um, you know, he's, he's been at Brentford and Blackburn and teams that just aren't of the, the level of Arsenal in the past. And, and, he, and he's finding out what, what pressure of being a, a top team is. Um and that means holding your nerve in these big games. So, um, yeah, I, I did wonder, though, with Arteta's comments earlier in the week about the, the potential that one day he'll make a substitution and it'll be a keeper. I wonder, <laughs> is this going to be the day uh, where, where Ramsdale comes on at halftime and, um, and, and then puts in a, a colossal performance? But to be honest, I'm glad he didn't do that because that would have just created so much uproar um, that... Uh, Frankly, it wouldn't be worth it. So, yeah, I think it was a, a game of two halves for Raya. Yeah, that's it. it. Imagine if Ramsdale came on at half time and he made a mistake, then that would have just been absolute pandemonium, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, like you say, with, with David Raya, I think similar to all the rest of the team, he just showed too much respect to Man City in the first half. Um, and I think that's only natural because after we've lost against them 11 times in a row in the league, then you're going to be a bit nervous. And this is the team ultimately who is your biggest competition in this comp- biggest competition in this competition, so to speak. They're, mm-hmm. they're our, yeah. our highest rivals in the, in this uh, Premier League season. So for us to go into this match, go toe-to-toe, it's always going to be difficult. And um, yes, you want to see Raya take a few more risks, but you want him to take calculated risks, <laughs> not trying to kick it in his own net, so to speak, which he almost did. Um, But yeah, uh, I I liked what I saw from him second half. 
I hope for, hopefully we can try and harbour that and he can bring that into his game for for the uh, for the matches in future. But um, mm. should we talk a little bit about the goal then? Because it did come late in the second half from uh, Martinelli. Like we said before, it came from a, a long ball from Thomas Partey to Tommy Asu, who won the ball down to Havertz, who linked up and laid it off for Martinelli, who, with a bit of fortune, had the shot on goal, but it took a little bit of a deflection, didn't it? And that just threw Edison off and it nestled in the bottom left-hand corner. But I feel like when you've played so well, you've had so much domination, you earn your own look a little bit. You're taking the opportunities that you're creating and eventually one of them's going to go go your way. And thankfully in this game, it went our way. Oh, man. Like you just hit the nail on the head. Like you have to earn your own look and you have to... You have to deserve it. Um, and if you if you look back to that Community Shield game, how did we get our equaliser? It was from a deflected goal. You know, we we have to we have to um, try some things outside the box, um, create your own look, and and ultimately that's what we did. And yeah, I'm so happy for Martinelli. Um, I'm so so happy for him. And I think I think it's it's shown me that we are a much better team when Martinelli is playing. Um, I love Trossard. I think he's a great player, but he's just not—he's just not Martinelli. He's—he's—he's um, he's, he's just not got that direct threat that Martinelli has. And I, I honestly think if we didn't have a player as good as Bukayo Saka in our team, that Martinelli would get so many more plaudits. It's just because we've got young Bukayo, Hayland, English, you know, academy graduate that. That he sort of is in the shadow slightly, which you know isn't isn't fair. Um, but but Martinelli is is a, is a brilliant player, uh, hmm. and we have missed that in the games that we we've not had in. A, and I'm I'm so glad that we've got a, a nice little international break now, where he can get back to full fitness um, behind behind closed doors. I don't. He's, I imagine he's not off to Brazil international duty that well I hope not that wouldn't make much sense um and yeah when we when we come back to um to play in our next game against Chelsea I think away in the Stamford Bridge we'll have a fully fit Bakayo Saka and a fully fit Martinelli um which is just going to be so tantalizing yeah it was a perfect time for him to be reintroduced wasn't it really at half time um when the when the Man City defence was starting to wilter a little bit, and um, he did make a, a pretty well a, a an impact pretty much straight away, didn't he? As soon as he got on the pitch, he was taking two or three defenders on on that left flank and uh, chucking balls into the box, which we weren't really making the most of. But it was more than Trossard had done in the entire first half, and I do like Trossard. I really enjoy watching him as a player, and I think. Maybe our judgment over the whole Trossard slash Martinelli debate has been clouded a little bit with some of Trossard's well expert finishing in the in the first few games of the season and the preseason. He had some unbelievable finishes, which are things that we don't tend to see from Martinelli. He is not that technically gifted when it comes to finishing, especially from outside the box. You know, he's not going to put it top bins every time, but. You've got to be in those positions to be able to score those goals. And ultimately, Trossard 
if you're not against if you're against a top tier team it's not going to be given that amount of time and space in those areas to be able to try and try and pull that finish off which is you know conversely to Martinelli he's able to shock right backs he's able to get round players beat a man go in and out and then put it on a plate or just take some sort of opportunity where you may get a deflection or something like we did in this game and then you've created an opportunity for yourself just from him having that desire and that that now to be able to get in those areas and and take an opportunity. So it's it's amazing to have Martinelli back in the team. He's so direct, and I feel like we we've re- our, our wings were clipped quite a little bit this this evening when we saw both Saka and Martinelli weren't starting the game because they're ultimately the those two players are our most direct players. They're probably our only players who are willing to just run at a defender and give them that fear factor, that that decision to make. Do they go on the inside or the outside? Uh, we don't really have many players like that that have the pace and the ability to be able to beat a man. So for him to come on and ultimately be a contributing factor for changing the game, then it is incredible. It, it's, it's awesome to see. Mm. And it is no disrespect on Trossard, like like you were saying, he is a great player. He's just when you're playing the best teams, you need your best players on that pitch. And Martinelli is one of our best players, without a doubt. And honestly, hand on heart, if I if we can keep players like Martinelli, just our classic starting eleven: Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, Partey, Odegaard, Rice, the, the classic back four. If we can keep all of those guys fit for the majority of the season, we are winning the season. We're winning the, the Premier League. I, I hand mm. on heart believe that. It's just, if we if we have to ride some games with, with injuries, that's where I think we we, we may sort of drop points. But uh, we even then, we are certainly stronger. We have coped so far in this Premier League season. We're, we're undefeated at the end of the day. Um, mm. we, we, we've done pretty well to be honest to say we have been hit with with injuries um a fair bit but yes yeah, seeing Saka um not in the not even on the bench was a little bit deflating I must admit um but ultimately I think the right decision was made if we did put him on the bench then in theory England may have um called upon him for international duty I think by saying no, nope, he's injured. He's not even in the match day squad. Um, it's now been confirmed that he won't be travelling with England, so he's now getting um, full rest, um, no games for England, and that is exactly what we needed for Saka. It's, it's perfect for us. I mm. think we've, we've we've massively benefited from not playing him today. And I know that's easy to say with hindsight because we've won the game, um, and of course Saka would have would have helped if we had him, but. Um, we, we can't keep playing him with these niggles um, because eventually it's going to turn into something big and really bite us in the ass. Um, he's played too many minutes without without enough rest. We, we, why we played him in the Lons game, I do not know. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we've kind of got away with that one a little bit. I think we've, we've mm. been quite fortuitous out of that situation. Hopefully it can be a lessons learned situation and um, we can get him some proper rest and, and get him back fresh for the uh for the Chelsea game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't want to Jack Wilshire him really, do we? He's a young player, he's got 
absolutely bundles of talent. We don't want to overwork him to the point where whilst he's still developing, he gets a career-changing injury and then ultimately it's not the player that he is today. And and let's not, you know, not make slight of it. He is probably one of the best players in our team, if not the best player in our team. So we can't risk that. And it's, it's not something that we should even be exploring. But, you know, he's literally played pretty much every Premier League game over the last three seasons. And then even in the off-season, he's been playing Euros and World Cup. And it's just pretty much been non-stop for him, really, hasn't it? So for him to finally just get a little bit of respite to be able to recuperate and, and get himself back fully fit and focused for the Chelsea game, then, you know, that's, that, that, that does fill me full of hope and full of... Uh, well, full of joy, really, because I, I don't want to see an injured Saka. Nobody wants to see an injured Saka. He, he's incredible. But um, moving on to a player who we've not really spoke about on an individual kind of scale so far this this evening, uh, Declan Rice. What a man. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to bring him up because I thought we cannot you know, have this podcast without mentioning Declan Rice because that was a man of the match performance. I think he has got the official man of the match, uh, certainly on the Arsenal official website, that's for sure. I think that's voted by the fans and, and it's no surprise because he was just everywhere. He was so, so good. Um, he he just did not give them a sniff. A- any loose ball, he'd, he'd wrap his leg around it and, and win it back. There was a really crucial tackle right on the edge of our box that he made um, to, to fizzle out the play for, for Man City. Um, and you can certainly see why City tried to sign him. Um, and thank goodness he, he chose Arsenal. Um, correct decision. And hopefully today has sort of confirmed that a little bit more in his head. Um, you know, I think Pep Guardiola has been speaking about him a lot this week. About how, yes, they did try and sign him and how he felt that he could play alongside Rodri. Um, so maybe that advanced number eight exactly the position that he played today with Jorginho sitting a little bit deeper and my goodness, how well did he play it? He was, he was just everywhere. Um, he was driving forward as well, creating, creating chances, um, to break. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't really often say that performance was worth a a 10 out of 10, but that is, that was a 10 out of 10 performance for me. That was just captain's performance without wearing the armband, you know? Yeah, that's the sort of performance which would, you know, it, it would stop someone saying a hundred million pound Declan Rice. It would make people just say Declan Rice is a transfer. Do you know what I mean? People would people start to forget about the price tag when players perform to that kind of standard. And he was absolutely immense today. The, like you say, the, every single breakdown in play, he was straight on it. He was all over that Manchester City midfield. And he was, like like we said before, frustrating the likes of Kovacic to the point where he was always getting sent off because he was too slow to be able to get onto him. And the press for Manchester City was ineffective to be able to try and win the ball back off, off Declan Rice. He, it, like we were saying about Thomas Partey last season, about he was someone who was unpressable. Declan Rice is just on a 
different planet to Thomas Partey even. He is unbelievably unprecedented. You get anywhere near Declan Rice, he's going to spin you, he's going to, he's going to whip it round you. He just doesn't lose the ball ever. And his passes are just always perfect. And every time he... Every time he gets the ball in those sorts of areas, he breaks the lines and then he progresses play to the point where we're automatically on an attack. And that is it's just what you want from a... Well, he was playing as a number eight today, wasn't he? But ultimately, that's what you want as a number six slash number eight. And I think for all of the criticism we've had of Arteta this season, of him picking the wrong formation and the wrong personnel in certain positions... He got it absolutely right today. I think the the decision to go with two sitting, holding sixes, so to speak, with Rice and Jorginho in those positions really gave us that stability and that platform with the the solid defenders behind them to be able to 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 build on and just give the likes of Martin Odegaard and all the guys forward to just have that freedom to do whatever they want, kind of thing. Because let's not forget Jorginho. He was really good today. He didn't really put too much wrong. He was his passing, his retention, everything was pretty good from George. You know, it was tidy. He didn't really make many mistakes. And I think we both said to each other at half time, didn't we, that it might have been a different scenario if we were seeing Rice and Havertz play. That not to disrespect Havertz or anything, but he doesn't really do the descent defensive side of the game or the the midfield. Um, the mopping up, so to speak, as effectively as someone as Jorginho does, does he? He doesn't know. And this is why I'm so excited that Thomas Partey is back injury-free because it's allowing us to then play our midfield three of Partey, Odegaard-Rice, which I genuinely believe is our strongest three. They're our three best midfielders at the end of the day. And I don't care who we're against in the Premier League, I think they play. Um I know Havertz was brought in to be that number eight, but in my opinion, I don't think he would have had as as many minutes as he has had, had it not been for injuries. Um, so I think I think now that Partey's back, and, and he looked pretty good, you know, when he came on, he looked fresh. He looked like the... Because with Thomas Partey, you kind of get... There's two different Thomas Parteys. You get the, the niggly, nursing a, a bit of an injury, not fully match fit Partey, and you get this absolute warrior that, that that's similar to Rice where he just wins every duel, can spin a player, can can sort of gallop uh, in midfield and create sort of chances like a, a deep lying playmaker almost. And we've kind of got two of those in our team. Um so yes they may be defensive players on paper, but I think they've both got attacking attributes that can just mean we're we're getting the best of both um at all times, which is just gonna be an absolute pain in the ass for almost every opposition we come across. And I just think that that is, is how we win this league. Um, because Declan Rice can play that, that a more advanced eight easily. Um, mm. We saw it a little bit in preseason linked well with Martinelli. Um, and I think that could quite easily be sort of a feature of Arsenal after this international break. So fingers crossed Partey can stay fit and, and we, and we see this. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think if we're going to choose our best two midfield partnership, it probably will be Rice and and Partey. And it's a bit of a shame, really, that we haven't seen them start together at all, really, have we? Not properly in the Premier League. So 
that is quite a tantalizing exciting um thing to to maybe behold in the future um but yeah fingers crossed and um did just just moving on a little bit um from that did you see after the game when the players were walking off um Nicholas Yeover, our set piece coach, tried to give a handshake to Kyle Walker, just to, you know, like a good game mate kind of thing. And then Kyle Walker came over quite aggressively and almost tried to instigate a, a fight. And then Harlan came over as well. And then all of a sudden, all of the players from the technical areas just piled in uh, and all the staff as well. Now, did you catch what was going on there? Do you know why or what mm. was going on? It's hard to know why, unless you had some sort of audio. Um, something must have been said, really. I, th- I think from the cameras, it looked like um, Kyle Walker was walking past Nicholas Yeova, it, you know, down the tunnel. Uh, Nicholas Yeova outstretched his arm for a handshake. Kyle Walker sort of ignored it. Um, and then sort of U-turned after he'd walked past Nicholas Yeova and then sort of went head-to-head, squared up to him. So something must have been said in in that little brief moment there. Um, I don't know if Nicholas Yeover, you know, said, you know, you baby or something like that. You, you can imagine, you can imagine that's be something that you'd say, if, you know, if someone refused to shake your hand, you'd you'd you'd, you'd find that quite insulting, really, wouldn't you? Um, you know, it's, mm. it's sportsmanship at the end of the day. Uh, so I imagine something along those lines was said. Um, and yeah, I think Bukayo Saka had to. To drag Nicholas Yeover away towards the end, Harland trying to drag Walker away, but was also getting a little bit involved himself. So not pretty scenes, but um, you know we got into their heads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, uh, it's nice to see. You know, well, that's it. We're living in their heads rent free now for the next six months or whatever it is until we play them again. But that, that's it. You don't want to see it, and the fact that. They've beat us 11 times in the league in a row and we've always shook the hand and done that sort of thing. So for, for Nicholas Jova to do that with a, a player that he's previously managed, a player that he's previously coached, sorry, at Manchester City, for him to not then give him the respect to at least shake his hand after being such a dominant force against Arsenal over the last few seasons, it, it is pretty bad sportsmanship, really. And I hope when he walked off, Nicholas Jova said something like, you was always crap at corners anyway, and that's why he came back because <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have would have uh, been quite funny. But yeah, it's just something else that I noticed at the end of the game, and um, mm. I think Manchester City they're looking a bit rattled, aren't they? They're they're short on players, you know. They've got uh, Kevin De Bruyne; he's injured. Rodri was out for this game as well, and those are two players which do usually turn up against us. And they just don't look like the same outfit as they were last season. They, they're not the same kind of machine that will be able to churn out a treble-winning team uh, to be able to mm. to win all of these cups. I genuinely do not believe that. Do we have what is now maybe our best opportunity now that we've got City out of the way in the uh, in this early stage of the competition? Do we have a real opportunity in front of us to try and steamroll maybe the next 10 to 15 fixtures to to put ourselves in really good stead for a title race i think we're certainly up there as as the second favorites for the league no no doubt about that in my mind um 
The thing is with City, we, we saw it last season, they didn't have the best start to the Premier League last year. Um, and then they just sort of find that gear after Christmas and just go win after win after win. Um, ultimately, De Bruyne is not going to be injured forever. Rodri was only on a suspension. So, you know, they're, they're going to have their key players back at some point. Um, and ultimately, it's, it's what I said earlier. I, I think if we can keep our players fit, and concentrate on ourselves. I think we've got as good a chance as as, as anybody um, to to knock them off their pedestal. Um, but um, we've gone one better than last season already. We've we've got three points against Man City at home. Last year we lost both fixtures home and away. That's a huge handicap when fighting for a league title against that team. You know that's. Um, it's a lot of points uh, for them and, and a lack of points for us at the end of the mm. day in, in simple terms. So that is huge. We They've lost three games out of four now including in all competitions, uh, Man City. So they're not in good form. Um, but yeah, like I say, they're, they're going to they're gonna be back at, at the end of the day. Rodri is big for them. And, and that's why defensive midfielders cost so much nowadays. Uh, in today's market, because they are so important to mm. to teams, um, they're sort of the spine in one person. It, it, it's quite crazy, really. They're just that central focal point for everything. Um, Rodri is that for City. He's, he's he's a brilliant player. As much as I hate him, um, so you know, I'm so glad he was suspended for that game. And um, thank you for that stupid red card that you got, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I have to completely agree. And that's it. We're saying that about Rodri, but that's what we've just been saying about the likes of Declan Rice and Thomas Partey. If you don't have those, those kind of quality of players in the centre of the park, then the whole thing, the whole structure of the team defensively and defensively just breaks down, doesn't it? And it, it's, you need to have that glue between the two that's going to link it all together. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. And um, I yeah, I, I don't think that Manchester City are going to be the same outfit as they were last season. Um, even if they do click into gear, I, I still don't think they've got the same sort of depth or, or, or what they had last season, like when they had Gundogan and and Mares and all these extra players who just they they would come in for two five to ten games and they would play unbelievable, and then they just go back out of the team. They they don't have that this season. They've just got lesser players so to speak so fingers crossed we can take this opportunity to be able to uh, to go far in the league and um, I'm not worried about Spurs I don't think I should ever be worried about Spurs you're not worried about Spurs eh Dave? No no We're, they've had an incredibly easy run uh, to, I know they've played us they got lucky Jorginho's mistake That that's allowed them a, a point there um, the um, the fixture against Liverpool was a VAR controversy. They, they scraped by against one of the worst teams I've seen in the Premier League for a very long time in Luton. Um, yes, they went down to 10 men, but they missed countless opportunities to, to score in that game. Um, look, uh, Spurs do not scare me. It annoys me that we didn't beat them at, at the Emirates the other week because we're so much better than them. Um, but sadly, injuries did come into play in that game. I think when we lost Rice at halftime, that really did affect us. Um, but no, not worried about them. I think Liverpool are more of a worry, to be honest. Um, 
even then I am not worried per se. They're just more of a worry. Um, but, um, mm. you know, even their dropping points, I think they, they drew to Brighton today. Um, so yeah, we're, we're hands down uh, at least second favorite on paper uh, for the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to agree with that. I'd, I would say that um, Liverpool would probably be third after, after us when you go like maybe Man City, Arsenal, and then Liverpool, um, third above Spurs in terms of who's favourites for the Premier League. And they do seem to be that sort of team which is dropping points left, right and centre in games which they probably should be winning. You know, they ultimately in the last two games, they've only picked up one point. Um, I know they had that VAR decision against them, which was controversial in the Spurs game. But, you know, they've got to be bouncing back and they've got to be winning games. And for them to then draw against Brighton, who also have been a good team, they can't be doing that if they want to be up there winning the Premier League. They've got to be winning those sorts of games. So, yeah, I, I do feel confident and it is nice to be joint top of the tree with, with Tottenham. I know that we are sat in second place, but we've literally got the same goal difference. I think they're topped by a couple of goals scored, um, yeah. maybe. that that That's the difference. But then you could argue we've got less goals against kind of thing, but... That's just not how it works in in football for some reason. But um, yeah, I feel like after the after the break, Man City themselves they've got a really hard fixture list. We've got quite a favourable one, and so did Spurs as well. But it's all it's all going to come down to what what happens after the international break, and we're going to have a full team uh, with no injuries per se, and no one on long term injury anyway. Uh, we've got. Partey's come back. Saka will be back. Martinelli, we've seen him today, scored the winner. Uh, we've got a fully fit Jesus. There's literally, apart from maybe Timber, there's nobody who's integral to the Arsenal squad into into our starting eleven that's out. So, and I, I'm I'm feeling really happy right now. Man, yeah, th- th- this is going to be a cushy international break. We've got the best part of two weeks now to bask in this glory before that game. Against Chelsea, um, with the with the fact that, like you just said, that we've got injuries coming back uh, with ample time to get match fit back at um, back at the training ground. Um, yeah, man, it's it's looking rosy. And another little silver lining for you, which I've seen confirmed um, online, is around Saliba. He's not going to be travelling uh, for for France international duty. He's actually nursing a little bit of a minor toe injury um nothing that's sort of um too serious but uh he's sort of been having injections to to get into to be able to play games and it's been agreed that he's going to be staying back um to fully recover from this so that is some arteta masterclass right there i was just about to say yeah good work from arteta there in that in that one he's minor toe injury yeah okay yeah (laughs) for him to to pull that one off but well for us to keep saliba and saka and probably Partey as well i don't think he'll be going on any international duty will he i'm not quite sure but he always seems to get injured when he goes away on international duty for for us to keep our main players and, and not have them even be in the firing line to get a, an injury is, is pretty incredible. And uh, we're going to be 
firing on all cylinders or, or, or so we hope when we come back after the international break. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to include from today's game at all, Dave? Is there anything you could think of? I just thought we couldn't not mention this player as well. Um, and that's Gabby Jesus. I thought he also had a tremendous game and, and definitely deserves a honourable mention. Um, obviously playing against his, his old team. Um, and I think you could tell that today he had a point to prove and he wanted to get one over um, Man City. And he just was an absolute warrior out there. He was really chucking himself about and, and just really trying to win them second balls, getting into tackles, really making himself a nuisance, using his body well, uh, link up play. I just thought, he, you know, for a player that's playing out on the right hand side, not in his natural position. I know he played that a lot for City, uh, in fact, but it's certainly an option to have that on the right when we haven't got Saka because I thought he did it very well today. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, I just have to to give credit for, for Jesus there. I think he, he really caused them problems. And, and, and to be honest, I think on another day, he could have easily had a goal or an assist because there was a couple of times he got on that byline, could have easily cut one back or, or sneaked one in, you know? So, so uh, yeah, big props to for Gabby there. Yeah, he, he does have that chaos factor in him, doesn't he? Even when we're not scoring goals, he, he has the ability to just make defences panic a little bit, don't they? And they overcommit sometimes or they double up on him and then it gives him the opportunity to to find that extra little bit of space to pop it off to, to a teammate that's, uh, that's accompanying him. And then we have a chance created just from him in his movement and his his ability to to create that space. Um, yeah, I think he had an opportunity, didn't he, where the ball fell to him on, on the right-hand side and he probably could have squared it and he took an extra touch and then ultimately the, uh, the, the angle got narrowed a little bit too far to the point where he wasn't able to, to create a decent opportunity. And I think there was maybe one in the first half, if I'm not wrong, where... He was thrown goal and it was a query handball and then the referee blew for a handball, um, stopping him from from taking the shot, taking the opportunity, yeah. which he then hit the post on. And, you know, that's the sort of thing where when you look at it back, it was kind of it didn't really look like handball to me at first look. It it, it may have been. I'm not I've not actually watched it back, but those are the sort of sort of moments where you would hope the referee doesn't blow. You carry play on, let it play out. If he scores that goal, then you can go back and look to see if he had unfairly gathered the ball with his arm, which it didn't look like he did. And he did that a couple of times in, in the first half as well. I think Ben White, he was he was played through to, to have a real good bit of possession on the right-hand side to, to have a lot of space to be able to play a ball in. And they called for an offside when he was quite clearly onside. And you looked at the replay, he was about a yard onside. So they, with the instruction that they had before the, before the start of last season, when they said you need to let attacks play out and then go back, it feels like they're being quite preemptive, especially after the Liverpool decision to be able to, to make these offside calls because they don't want to slip up or make any mistakes now, do they, the referees? But uh, uh, that that's me just being a bit picky. I think overall, the referees in this game, they were pretty good. I, I know that we had the, the refereeing, uh, the red card, potential red card for Kovacic. But apart from that, and a few little 
you know, minor issues in terms of offsides and that sort of thing. I think ultimately the the uh, the, the refs were pretty good in this game, weren't they? And got huge complaints apart from the um, the Kovacic situation, and 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 with the the offside for the Jesus one where he sort of chipped it onto the post. It, 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 we was watching it in the pub and the commentary was so, so quiet. I couldn't really understand what was going on without the commentary. Um, the replays did suggest some sort of handball, but yeah, we only saw the one replay on the TV screens and it didn't look like a handball to me. So unless he was offside, but again, it didn't look offside. So I, yeah, I'm still sort of a bit confused about that one, what we really went, went on. Um, but yeah, overall, not many gripes with, with the refereeing performance. I think it was sort of allowed to to flow quite well um and the the sort of the little nicky challenges that um rice likes to do uh sometimes for whatever reason refs don't like him they f- they feel like they're um sort of going through the man but he was allowing them to to flow which is i really do like it when they when they allow that because they're, they're clean tackles at the end of the day good old school ch- challenges that allow you to nick the ball and counter-attack. So I, I was thankful that those were allowed to, to go on. So yeah, no, not many gripes from me. Yeah. Okay then. Uh, so that'll probably wrap it up from today. Arsenal finished as 1-0 winners against Manchester City and they are now joint top of the Premier League alongside their rivals, the Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, well, it is the 12th time coming and we were able to, to finally beat Manchester City and uh, lay that to rest. So hopefully in future, we do not have that devil on our shoulders when we're entering, entering those games. Uh, it was an amazing day and a great watch and an unbelievable performance from back to front. Defending, d- defending uh, was unbelievable. Haaland is still in Saliba's pocket. I'm sure he'll find that when he empties his shorts out tonight when he goes for a shower. And the absolute brilliance from our substitutions from Mikel Arteta to be able to convert and give us that win. Okay, guys, we'll catch you after the international break. That's all from me today, guys. Take care, guys. Bye. You're listening to the Arsenal Rumble. Through the storm